Praise God. Let's open the word of the Lord a couple of minutes. Um, once again, we want to uh, welcome uh, Brother Jerry's family. It's such a pleasure. They're here from uh, London, England. Amen. Here from Virginia. Praise God. And, and from different parts of the city. So we we're grateful that they're here worshiping the Lord with us. It's, it's an honor. Yesterday I had an opportunity to spend a couple of minutes with them and, and to pray for Fred and to pray together with the family. It was really, really an endearing moment. And, and I rejoice in the presence of God in that place. Amen. And, and the presence of God with that family, that precious family. So we, we thank you for that opportunity and privilege. Amen. They invited me to their home later on to feast, but I was so tired. So, Jerry, I've got to go home and sleep. Um, you know, and I didn't even go home and sleep. I had to study. I had to do other things. So, but I was able to get home and just finally just drop for a couple of minutes. But I thank you for the opportunity. And, and we appreciate that you're here worshiping the Lord with us. Amen. And God bless each and every one of you today. We, we recognize that some are not here. And we'll just continue praying for them. That God will continue to uplift them and encourage them. I'm expecting a great move of God this summer. I really am. I really am. The Lord has spoken to us powerfully. But you know disappointment listen to this disappointment reveals that you are not expecting something from God see we need to shift that posture the enemy could read disappointment like a dog could read your fear you hear what I'm saying it's amazing you know, the spirit realm they can sense your disappointment but disappointment is a lot deeper than you just feeling bad it reveals a posture that you're not expecting God to move on your behalf. I got no amens on that one. I think just, I just want amen over here. You got the point. See, we need to shift our posture. I need to be in the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is something that you could shift into in a heartbeat. Yeah. We have an awesome ability as humans to be able to shift our perspective in a heartbeat. You could be angry at somebody that's knocking at your door at 3 in the morning. You go to the door, you open it up, and you say, What in the world are you doing knocking on my door at 3 in the morning? Are you crazy? And suddenly he tells you, I just wanted to tell you, you know, you're my brother, or you're my sister, you're my family. I just finished winning that $500 million lotto, and I just had to share it with somebody. <laughs> suddenly, your perspective can shift. You will no longer be angry. Something inside of you will well up and, and your frown will turn into a smile. Isn't that true? We have the ability to shift our perspective in a heartbeat, in a moment of time. Praise God. So when I know God is with me and I know God is on my behalf, I need to start promoting. I need to start emoting. I need to, to, to start manifesting a spirit of joy. Because joy is a very powerful force. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Doctors have finally realized that when you release joy from your body, there are even endorphins and, and other chemicals that are also released that help you to heal, that help you to feel better, that help you to produce strength where you did not have strength. Okay, three in the morning. You only slept two hours. You haven't slept all day before. And suddenly somebody knocks on your door and says, Listen, if you get on the car and drive 70 miles over there, they have $100,000 for you. Will you suddenly find energy? <laughs> Things happen when you allow the joy of the Lord to, to, to manifest from your heart. And today I want to talk about that. Actually, 
Another a, a prophet, a good friend of, of this ministry, he shared this. He, he was concerned about the people of God. He was concerned about how people are viewing themselves in the kingdom of God. Too many of us are being beat down and we're listening to others uh, uh, criticize us and put us down for our faith. Uh, and the enemy has been so attacking our, our, our self-esteem or our personal esteem, our esteem in the Lord. Isn't that true? How many of you here have been sensing that attack? Well, uh, Prophet uh, Pierce, he said this, he said, I've been very concerned that many in these days of new beginnings are having a difficult time in embracing the identity that the Lord is developing in them. I have asked the Lord the question, why can't your people see what you see in them? And he emphatically said to me, they have developed low esteem and therefore they view themselves from the world's blueprint. And I said, but Lord, these are good people who love you. And this is troubling me. He's, then the Lord promptly answered him and said, They are, but, but so many have developed such high aspirations for themselves and they are so determined to perfect every goal that they have in their flesh. And they have come to rely upon themselves that they have lost the developing, transforming work and ability of my spirit. And for the most part, they consider themselves failures and they fill their atmospheres with negative working forces. If only they would focus on allowing my spirit to help them develop and improve lifestyle, they would find themselves maturing in me and enjoying the identity that I have developed for them. And I said, Lord, what is the remedy? What is the remedy? And then he said, make yourself a list of what you would look like if you were filled with joy. Then ask me, ask God, to help you become or be that which I know you are. You will find that you're seeing yourself as new as opposed to the same creature that you continually have measured yourself against in the past. Get to know me, align your vision with my vision, and my esteem of you will become your strength. Amen. So there is an esteem that God wants to produce in you, a godly esteem. That goes way beyond your natural ability. That goes even way beyond your natural vision. God wants to do awesome things in this day. Amen? Praise God. Let me, let me talk to you a couple of minutes about this theme. It's time to restore the reflection of the King in the house of the Lord. It's time to restore the reflection of the King in the house of the Lord. And let's go a moment to First Chronicles. I'm sorry, Second Chronicles chapter 28. Second Chronicles chapter 28. Uh, well, actually, let's read from uh, chapter 29. Second Chronicles chapter 29. Verse 1 reads as follows. Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old. And he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. Now I want to stop there a moment because actually his father wasn't David. His father was a king by the name of Ahaz. Now it says in the previous chapter in Second Chronicles 28 verse 22, now it was in the time of his distress, King Ahaz became increasingly unfaithful to the Lord. He sacrificed to the gods of Damascus, which had defeated him, saying, Because the gods of the kings of Syria will help them, I will sacrifice to them that they may help me. But they were the ruin of him in all Israel. And if you study the life of Ahaz, he was a wicked king. He did not honor God. 
He did not worship God. He got far away and led the people far away from the Lord. He allowed the house of the Lord to be destroyed. He personally destroyed the elements of the house of the Lord. So the doors of the house of God were uh, taken off of their hinges. So it was a bad time. And then his son, Hezekiah, after the death of Ahaz, takes the kingdom and he becomes king. But it says here in verse 2, he did all that was right, the son, in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David has done. Isn't that interesting? In, instead of doing what his natural dad did, he honored another man. And he allowed that fathering anointing that that other man had upon his life, whether close or by extension of hearing his stories. He allowed that anointing, he allowed that perspective to affect his life. And instead of doing evil as his father did, he did right in the, in the sight of the Lord. The Bible says that in, in verse 3, the first year of his reign in the first month. So he, went, he got to work right away. In the first month, he started doing right. He started changing the things that his father had done, his natural father. He opened the doors of the house of the Lord and he repaired them. I want to let you know that all it takes is one person to shift a community. Now, but in order for you to shift the community, you yourself have to be shifted. See, and I remember in my own life, you know, my dad, he, he was a good man. He worked hard. He, he provided for us. But one thing that I didn't see in him, I didn't see a passion for God's house. And I was going that route because that's what I had learned. But one day, my, my future mother-in-law, I was still a teenager at that time, she invited me to church. And actually, I went to church with my friend here, who is now my wife. She was just, we were just friends. We went to the house of the Lord, similar atmosphere. And I so fell in love with that atmosphere. And that was, I don't know, what, 33, 34 years ago. I so fell in love with that atmosphere. And another thing I found, that in church, there were spiritual fathers that were willing to father me, that were willing to mentor me. So instead of doing what I saw my father do, I started doing what these spiritual men, these spiritual fathers, uh, allowed me to learn as I got close to them and as I interfaced with them. And I saw how they zealously kept the house of the Lord, how they opened up the house of the Lord, how they made sure that that door was always open. They were zealous and, and they loved the house of the Lord. So I developed that love. So when I see the life of Hezekiah, it says on verse 7, he started talking to the people. He said, you have to sanctify yourselves. People, we have to do something different here. Our fathers have trespassed. They've done evil in the eyes of the Lord. That's verse 6. And they've forsaken him. And verse 7, he says, they have also shut the doors of the vestibule. They have put out the lamps. And they have not burned incense or offered burnt offerings to the holy place of, God, of the God of Israel. Therefore, the wrath of God is upon our community. He noticed these things had to change. And he made sure that he helped to initiate some of these very changes. Now, most of humanity is selfish. The word selfish has the word self inside of it. The more selfish you are, the more you're focused on self. But he was selfless. He said, we've got to restore the value of the kingdom of God in this community. We have to restore the house of the Lord. We have to restore the joy of the Lord. We have to restore the house of the Lord. We have to open up the doors wide open so people could come in and be refreshed. There's no refreshing in this community. The house of the Lord is in ruins. Who is going to go into a house? Hallelujah. So he got, he got busy with it. And in verse 15, 
It says they gathered themselves, they sanctified themselves, they went according to the commandment of the king at the words of the Lord to cleanse the house of the Lord. They got busy. The community started working, that people, they started working. They started to make sure that whatever was wrong in the house of God, they got involved and make sure they started cleansing the house of God. Because the previous administration, so to speak, or the previous generation had allowed the house of, the God, of God to fall to ruins. They went to the doors, they hammered back the doors uh, on the hinges, opened it wide. You know spring cleaning? Anybody here already started spring cleaning? Why do we do spring cleaning? It's almost as it were a resurrection. When it comes to spring, we wake up again. Oh, Minister Mickey, she shared that with me. Every time spring comes around, there's almost like a resurrection as it were. There's almost like a feeling of freshness, of newness, new opportunities. Isn't it true? That's, why, that's one of the things I love about spring, fresh flowers, and, and it's just something new in the air. Isn't it true? Amen. But the same thing in the house of the Lord. You will determine the freshness when people come through those doors. As people come through those doors, they'll either sense a staleness, they'll either sense a deadness, or they'll sense something alive. They'll sense the love of God. They'll sense the passion of God. They'll, they'll sense the resurrection power of God. They'll sense the healing anointing of Almighty God. Amen! So it's time to restore that very reflection. That's another thing that happens. We reflect either the glory, or we reflect deadness. And I'm sorry to say, you go to some churches and they're dead, dead, dead. There's no life coming from them places. And I'm not trying to criticize anything in spe uh, specifically, but you know what I'm talking about. You go to some places, there's nothing there. There's just ritual. Something that somebody learned 30 years ago and they just practice it, but there's no life in that. And that's one of the reasons why Christ would get so angry at the Pharisees. As you're practicing these, these, these rudimentary uh, traditions, but there's no life in you. Those very traditions that you're practicing came from things that I told them to do 2,000 years ago, 1,000 years ago, to reflect who I was going to be in this generation. As they lit the lights in the Old Testament, it symbolized Jesus Christ in the New Testament. They were practicing the symbols of Jesus, but they were denying the power and the love and the presence of Jesus. So it was not about doing something, it was about reflecting the glory of God. Are we reflecting the glory of God in this day? Amen. When somebody comes to your house, do they sense the glory of God? Do they sense the love of God? Do they sense the hope that is in the gospel of Jesus Christ? When they get next to you and they hang out with you for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, do they leave better or, they, or do they leave worse? The group that you go to and hang out with, when you go with them and hang out with them, do you come out feeling better, encouraged, or are you coming out depressed? So see, we need to analyze these things. We need to think about these things. And we need to consider the atmosphere that we are either creating or allowing ourselves to fall under. Amen. This young man, he was only 20, 25 years old. Yet he saw things that the older folk didn't see. Mm. Amen. Maybe, you know, you might be complaining about something, but you might be the one that's called to bring the change. So let's get about bringing the change instead of complaining so much about it. I'm sounding like a political candidate here. <laughs> but I'm not talking about that. Amen. I'm, I'm talking about the glory of God. <laughs> change is sometimes not so good, but the change I'm talking about is good. 
Praise God. Amen. I don't, I don't, I don't want to you know, talk about any politics or anything, but the world is looking for change. The problem is, we're so wanting change, we're willing to take any change at all. That's not a good thing. You know, the clearer your vision, the more clearer the answer is going to be. If you're fuzzy and hazy, you don't know what type of change you get. Not all change is good. Some change is not as good as it should be. Amen. It's our responsibility. Say to your neighbor, it's our responsibility to fling wide the doors of the Lord, of the house of God, and make it easy. Come on, and make it easy for people to find God. Amen. Because somebody knows you, it should be easy for them to find God. My Lord. So they shut the door. That means there was no evangelism. That means there was no relationship with God being formed in communities. But the day has changed. You know why? Because while we're here, we're going to make it our business to make sure people can find God. We're going to make it our business that the doors of the Lord are flung wide open. Hallelujah. Amen. Another thing, there was no burning light. That means there was no revelation of God. There was no word of the Lord to that generation. Well, this young man made sure that the word of the Lord started getting uh, explained and shared. He got together the priest to share the word of the Lord, to make sure that that generation heard God's word. He made sure of it. And he said there was no incense. So he, he got started with the incense, which meant uh, prayers. Incense meaning prayer and worship. Amen. How many of you worship God apart from Sunday? You worship God on Monday? You worship God on Tuesday? Amen. There should be incense coming from your temple constantly. Amen. Yeah, we thank God on Sunday, but worship should be coming up on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Because wherever the presence of God is, there is healing. Wherever the presence of God is, there's wisdom. Wherever the presence of God, there's restoration. There's life. Amen. Praise God. It said in verse uh, 5 that there was rubbish in the house of God. That previous generation had allowed all sort of junk to enter into the house of the Lord. But the Levites, they got in there, they sanctified themselves, and they started carrying out all the rubbish. At the end of the day, there was no more rubbish in the house of the Lord. Everything was clean. They started painting. They started prepping the place so that God would come in and re-inhabit the praises of Israel. And I want to let you know that as we clean ourselves, we clean our heart, and we start making sure that there's an atmosphere that is sanctified in the presence of God, the presence of God will show up. People will be healed, set free, encouraged, delivered, and, ups, uh, and restored. Hallelujah. That's our responsibility. I'm not going to allow somebody else to do it for me. Whatever I can do, I'm going to make sure I do it, and I'm going to do it with all diligence, and I'm going to do it with all of my heart. And if, Amen. If you're not doing it, I'm going to make sure I'm doing it. Because when God sees the heart, He's going to see my heart. He's going to see my son is doing it with all of his heart. And one thing I love about my God is He sees your heart. He sees your intention. He sees your passion for the house of the Lord. Maybe 500 aren't doing it, but just as long as you're doing it, God's going to turn it around on your behalf. I want to let you know that today. Hallelujah. Amen. They restored the house of the Lord. They restored the sacrifices and they restored the offerings. They restored the good things in the house of God. And one of the things that I have a problem with today, but yet I don't blame many people for it, is that cynicism is in the church. Cynicism is a bad thing because cynicism means that you don't care. You know, you view things negatively. Oh, yeah, there they go again, asking for money. Always asking for money. There they go again, uh, want me to go to the altar and repent. 
No, I don't. That, them people should repent. Yeah, I agree with you. We all have to repent. <laughs> Even the ministers have to. We all have to repent. Every day, me, Victor, I ask the Lord for forgiveness. Because I'm no superstar. I need God just like you need God. You're absolutely right. But when you become a cynic, you see everything negatively. And that's a dangerous place to be. It says in Second Chronicles, I think it's, uh, let's see. It's still 29. He says that they started getting excited and praising God. And they started offering um, uh, offerings and, and sacrifices unto the Lord. The Bible says King Hezekiah in verse 20. He gathered up early and he went to the house of the Lord. But by verse 34, it says they were offering so much to God that there were not enough priests. The priests were too few. And they could not uh, handle all the burnt offerings. So it says here that the brethren helped them until the work was ended and until the other priests had sanctified themselves. Now listen to this. For the Levites were more diligent in sanctifying themselves than the priests. Sometimes, listen to this, you think that the minister is supposed to be uh, diligent in preparing himself and yet you're doing a better job. You are sanctifying yourself more than some ministers. Some ministers, they take this just as a job. They're not really sanctifying themselves before the Lord. So the bottom line is, we have to be responsible for ourselves. Stop looking around saying, well, he ain't doing it, so I'm not going to do it either. Oh, you be, how can I say, honorable before God and you do your best. You know something? God will see your heart. And because of that, they, they diligently took care of themselves. They entered into that spirit of diligence. Let me tell you something about diligence. Diligence is not easy. It's a hard thing to be diligent. It's a hard thing to demand excellence from yourself. But yet, Scripture is replete with blessings that come due to diligence. In Proverbs 24, verse 30, it says, I went to the field of the slothful, that's the lazy, the slothful, and by the vineyard of the man, void of understanding. And lo, it was grown all over with thorns and nettles and covered with the face thereof, and the stone wall was broken down. And then it says, I saw this and I considered it well. I looked upon it and I received instructions. Sleep a little, slumber a little, fold your hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come as one that travails and your want as an armed man. When we allow laziness or apathy or cynicism to grab our hearts, we will not be diligent in that which God called us to do. So what will happen is, we will become void of the resources that God has for us. And look what it says in Proverbs chapter 10 verse 4. Lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crops in summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps during harvest is disgraceful. And this is harvest time. There are resources right now that God is releasing to our hands. And when we become apathetic or lazy, or when we become cynical in the house of God, the resources pass right by and we go, ah, what's the use? Ah, what's the use? Why pray anymore? Why sing anymore? Why worship anymore? Nothing's going to happen. That, sir, ma'am, is a dangerous place to be. Because the resources are passing by and they are for you. When you become diligent and when you start allowing the passion of God to return to your heart, you'll take advantage of these resources and you'll, you'll resource the body of Christ with it. And the more you give, the more you get. The more love you share, the more love will come back to you. The more joy you share, the more joy will come back to you. 
It's not in having a million dollars that's important. It's in what you can do with a million dollars. When you can bless your family with it, you know, when you can help others with it, when you have resources, you, suddenly you're a supervisor, you've got 10 jobs available, you go to the body of Christ or to your friends, hey, you need a job? Yeah, come here, I'm going to get you a job. You know what that makes, you know how you feel when you're able to help somebody? See, so true joy doesn't come from having stuff. True joy comes from sharing what God has blessed you with. Hallelujah. In, in Proverbs 12, 24, it says, Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. Wow. I'm going to say that again. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. When we're diligent, you will rule. You know what rule means? You'll be the supervisor. In your job, you might be working hard, and your supervisor might be lazy. He might be abusing you. He might be taking advantage. And you, <laughs> you're saying, oh, man, I... Why bother working hard? It's this guy, he doesn't, he, he doesn't see my gift. Yeah, but God sees what you're doing. And I want to let you know, we're in the midst of transition. And some of those supervisors are not going to be supervisors very long. And people have been watching you that you don't know have been watching you. You continue to be faithful. You continue to be diligent. Because I want to let you know, there's a shift in the air. There's a promotion on its way to happen. And you, sir, ma'am, you're going to be promoted. So don't give up. Don't give up. Because the diligent hands will always rule. And if you're not ruling right now, don't worry. You're in process. You're on the way. You're on the journey of ruling. Praise God. And when God places you in that position, what you're going to do, you're going to rule righteously. You're going to allow Jesus to manifest from you. You're going to allow Jesus to shine in your life. Amen? Praise God. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. See, so there's poverty and there's profit. When you see people that are diligent in God, when you see people that are diligent in what they do, they will always come. It's like cream that rises to the top, right? Praise God. Who's diligent here? Don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. Just, just think about that. Just think about that. You need to be diligent. Don't allow the media, don't allow people, don't even allow past failures or circumstances to dictate your diligence level. Give it your best shot. Say to your neighbor, give it your best shot. It's time to do like Hezekiah. Stand up and say, well, hold on a second. If something's going to happen, we need to do it now. And I'm going to get about the business of rolling up my sleeves and be part of the community that's going to make a difference. Amen. I'm going to pray it through like my wife was saying through. I'm going to pray my way through. I'm going to worship my way through. If there's a problem, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to be actively engaged and involved with my God. And I'm going to worship Him in the midst of my difficulty. In the midst of the mess. In the midst of the confusion. I'm just going to worship my way through this. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. 1 Timothy chapter 4 says, Don't neglect your gift which was given to you through the prophetic message when the body of elders laid hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself completely to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Wow. My God, if you watch your life, if you watch your doctrine, if you watch and persevere in it, not only are you going to be saved, but those that hear you, those that look at you, those that are able to touch you, those that you can influence will also be effective, positively effective. Amen. Never, never, never give up. Especially today. This is not a time to give up. 
This is a time to continue to honor God and a, a time to believe God. Say to your neighbor, it's time to believe God. Amen. The Bible says in Second Chronicles, Verse 25 says, the whole assembly of Judah rejoiced. Say with me, they rejoiced. See, we need to rejoice today. I don't have nothing to rejoice about. Well, start prophesying then. Start seeing yourself like the prophetic word earlier on. Start seeing yourself the way God sees you. Start seeing the things that God wants to do in your life. You, you need to start asking God to show you who you really are. Most of us, we think we're supposed to be because somebody told us we're supposed to be. No, why don't you start finding out what God wants you to be? What is your passion? Well, I just do it because people want me to do it. No, no, but what excites you? What, what, get, what, what makes you feel alive? That's what you need to start seeing inside of yourself and allow it to manifest in this day. The people started rejoicing. I command joy to come to my presence. I command joy to come out of my, my, my spirit. Amen. Remember, joy and peace is not the absence of problems. It's knowing something in the midst of the difficulty. Hallelujah. It's God and you walking it. You're walking it together. That's how I envision it. I walk the streets. I'm in my job. God's with me. The Holy Spirit is with me. He lives in me. He promised that, so I know. See, I don't care whether I feel it or not. It's a fact. Nonetheless, some days I wake up in the morning, I don't feel like a Nazario, but I'm still a Nazario anyway. So, you know, whether I feel it or not, I still am. I just am what I am. In the famous words of Popeye, I am what I am. I just am what I am. Uh. <laughs> I just exposed my age. <laughs> it says, and there was great joy in Jerusalem, for since the time of Solomon... The son of David, the king of Israel, there had not been nothing like this in Jerusalem. See, isn't it interesting? Just because you didn't see it in a previous generation does not mean that it can't exist here and now. We determine it by our attitude. We determine it by our submission, by our willingness. Amen? And I want to see joy in the house of the Lord. I want to see revival in the house of the Lord. I want to see miracles, signs, and wonders in the house of the Lord. What do you, what do you think, Elder Jose? I want to see people come in here and get radically saved. Not just saved, but radically saved. Hallelujah. I want to see, I want to hear miracles when they come out of there, go back to work. I, I want to hear miracles in the workplace. I want to hear miracles in the small groups. Praise God. I want us to be able to pray for people and, 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 and bless them and encourage them. Hallelujah. Amen. We need to pray today. But the beauty about prayer is as we pray, God hears our prayer. And we shift economies. We shift situations and circumstances when we pray. And when we continue to pray. And when we continue to worship. Hallelujah. This man's got moving, he got his elders moving, he got his leaders moving, suddenly after a while it says all of Jerusalem was moving together with them. I want to let you know, when you start moving, you're going to move somebody else. Because somebody's watching you. They're waiting to see how you act in the midst of that situation. And the way you act, others are going to say, oh, I see, that's the way. Amen. So if you praise your way through a thing, guess what? Somebody else is also going to praise their way through a thing. Because they're watching you, and they're watching you closely. 
Because they want an example of something good. They want an example of somebody that's touching God. They want an example of somebody that's hearing God. They want an example of somebody that knows how to dispatch or, or to release the presence of God in their midst. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. It says, there was great joy in Jerusalem. And, and now I'm closing. I'm landing the, I'm, I'm landing the plane, honey. Praise God. Verse 21 of 2 Chronicles chapter 31. It says, In every work that King Hezekiah began in the service of the house of God, in the law and in the commandment to seek his God, he did it with all of his heart, so he prospered. So he prospered. I want to let you know, God is wanting to prosper you. He is wanting to bless you. He's wanting to encourage you. But truly, it is up to us whether or not we're going to receive it. Many of us today in this day, we have not been expecting God to move on our behalf. And that has been that disappointment. But I say to you this today, joy is proof of your expectation. Joy is proof that you are expecting an answer from God. Joy is the proof that you know that something good is on its way. So you know what you do? Don't joy after it happens. Joy in the process of it happening. Don't rejoice after it happens. Like Thomas, he said to Jesus, Well, you know, if I could just touch your hand, if I could just touch the side, then I'll believe. Jesus said, Okay, I understand that. But blessed are those that haven't seen yet, but yet they believe. Hallelujah. Come on, praise Him. There is a blessing to those that have been expecting I haven't seen the answer yet, but they've been expecting it. So that generation, in conclusion, that generation, they restored the love for the house of God. They restored the love for each other. They worked like teams. It wasn't just one person working. They were all working. They were all honoring each other. They were all respecting and loving each other. They all valued each other. Oh my God. There was no small one and no great one. They were all important and valuable. They all had intrinsic worth. They all had extrinsic worth. They all had value in God and value with each other. Hallelujah. They honored each other from the smallest to the greatest. They restored the joy to the house of the Lord. Amen. Sometimes I hear some of the young people worshiping God. I hear them say, hallelujah. I see them say, woo, or whatever. And I'm sitting in my seat. I'm studying. It just forces me to get up and say, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Something good's happening. It just, it just moves me. Amen. You move me when I see you, when I hear you worship the Lord. Amen. Come on, give me one, two, three. Amen. There you are. See, that moves me. <laughs> Amen. There was healing in the house of God. So the result was that both King Hezekiah and his people and that entire generation was blessed and prospered in all that they did. And it all commenced with a hunger for God, a passion for God. Today, do you have that hunger? Do you have that passion? Is Jesus the best thing that ever happened to you? Let me tell you something. We're, we're here now, but there's coming a time we're going to see him face to face. Hallelujah. So we got to practice. This is just practice. And I think about it. When I see him face to face, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go at his feet. That's what I'm going to I'm going to go at his feet. Just grab his feet and just worship him. And just spend, I don't know, a couple of years just there at his feet. Just worshiping. I don't know. I just love him so much. Praise God. Because he changed my life. He's made the difference. I was just a, a, a what do you call it? Just another statistic waiting to happen. 
in Harlem. I remember that. I was going nowhere quick. And then Jesus got a hold of my life. He changed me, turned me around. Amen. Put my feet on higher ground. Praise God. And today I could worship him. Today my life has value and meaning. Praise God. Amen. Not more important than, than your relationship with God. But not only that, now God touches you. Now he's going to touch through you. He's going to bless through you. He's going to minister through you. He said, I want to partner with you. So say to your neighbor, he's waiting to partner with you. Praise God. Hallelujah. So today is the day. That this is the time to restore the reflection of the King of Kings. The Lord of Lords in the house of the Lord. Amen. Bow your heads with me a moment. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your word. For your word infuses faith and hope and joy in our very beings, in our spirit, man. We thank you, Lord God. We are grateful today because you're such a kind and wonderful Heavenly Father. And even as we look at the life of Hezekiah, he didn't have a, a, a fatherly model that would help him to be a righteous and godly king. But Lord, you turned his eyes to another man, another person that he was able to follow and to see. A man like David that in the midst of all of his weaknesses he still loved you and he was passionately in love with you and your kingdom and his life made such a difference so father i pray the same that even though we might not have had a family examples or we might not have had examples in our community but today you're raising up a generation my lord that will be that difference i thank you for what you did for me i thank you that you've given you you had you gave me and you still continue to give me earthly men, uh, models, earthly fathers that I could look at and I could respect and admire and I could say I want to be just like that. I want to love God just the way they love God. Father, I pray the same for this beautiful congregation, this wonderful uh, community of believers, my God. Lord, that we might see each other and honor each other and praise God together and be passionate for you and for each other, my God, so that the world around us, those that you have called us to touch and those that you have called us to minister to, that they might look at us and say, wow, I want to I be a part of that community. I see God in them. I see the reflection of the King in them. Lord God, let your reflection shine in this house. Let your reflection shine. We say to the doors of the house of the Lord, be flung open. We say to the candle in the house of the Lord, shine brightly. Wisdom, revelation, knowledge, shine brightly in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we don't worship worship. We worship you, Lord God. We worship you. We honor you. You are the object of our worship, my Lord. We bless your holy name. We're passionate for you in our praise. We're passionate for you in our prayers. We're passionate for your presence, oh God. So we say, let this place be filled with the presence of God. Let this place be filled with the passion of the Almighty. Let this place be filled with healing. Lord God, let this place be filled with the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Father, I pray by your Holy Spirit, infuse your people today with joy, my God. Where there is depression, let it be replaced with joy. Let it be replaced with expectation. Let it be replaced with, with faith, oh God. I pray, move upon our lives today. Let revelation knowledge come forth. Let reformation take place. My Father, let this be, be, uh, let this be a place, oh God, where your presence dwells. Where the nations can come and honor you and praise you, my God. Let this be a place, my Father, when we all honor you and honor each other, my God. Where everyone is important in your sight. When everybody has value, my God. Where everybody has a place to serve and to give their gifts, my God. Oh, Lord, and we'll be careful to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. 
Let's all stand a moment in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Just raise your hands in the presence of God.